This is the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Waylee Gray. Hey, you know how many physicians today are feeling overwhelmed and trapped living that busy and unfulfilling life? Yet more than ever, we as physicians are keenly aware that life is precious and tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. My mission is to help physicians start living their best life now by discovering and achieving their wildest travel dreams. So come, join us on this journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Dare to Dream Physician podcast. I am so excited this week. I'm having a really, really busy week, but a really good week. And I've just had different conversations with the different physicians. I also started the group program, Clarity and Vitality, a life planning program for physicians. And we had our session last night and it was just so good when we are doing exercises to figure out what what are the dreams that we have that's already right in front of us, but that we're not fully taking advantage of and how can we live that more? So even after doing that group, I feel like more energized to look for the things at, that are in front of me that I'm grateful for and to live that to the fullest. And to that end, I have a very special guest. Her name is Dr. Jess Daigle, and she is just an amazing human being, a really inspirational person. And also, I've had the privilege of actually meeting her in person when we went to a conference together almost a year ago now. And I was just actually really grateful. She gave me a ride to the airport when I had no ride. And I just remember being so grateful that like, here's an angel that showed up and got me to the to the early morning flight <laughs> to the airport. So I'm forever indebted, Dr. Daigle. And so with that aside, first, I want to welcome you to the podcast. And please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. It's, I'm so excited to be on this podcast. Ever since I've met you and and looked at your mission and what you aim to do, I've always been a person about purpose and passion and living the life, your best life, because we only have this one life, <laughs> at least here on earth, depending on what you believe. And so I think it does us good and those around us that we live it at our best and being as true to ourselves. So I'm Dr. Jess Daigle. I'm a board certified pediatrician and a NICU and pediatric hospitalist. And I'm also the founder and CEO of Mom and Me MD, which is a concierge style in-home and virtual care practice. I'm actually launching, taking services or providing services this coming October, actually. And the goal is to help moms and their new little babies term or preterm ease their transition home after the hospital. And that really came from working in a hospital, seeing babies being born all day, every day. That's one of my primary jobs. And I see a lot of moms that were really all focused on the pregnancy, focused on the birth, their birth plan, but didn't really have any idea of like what they wanted their life to look like after they got home with the baby and how to make sure that they were thrive, not just survive. And I would see a lot of moms that would have a lot of regret when their babies were a little bit older, like close to one year of age. And they'll look back and be like, man, I just feel like this whole year was like a blur of worry and frustration and just trying to shuffle around. And I didn't really enjoy my child like, or my pregnancy or my postpartum journey. And that used to break my heart. And I was like, well, what is at the root of that? 
And it's really having that support and people putting name and validation to the fact that after you have a baby, your life is changing, like, and sitting with that. Because sometimes we're just on to the next thing, but we don't hold space for the transitions that we're having in life and thinking about what does that mean to us and what do we want our life to look like? And in starting this business, that's what I asked myself because I always wanted to be a NICU and pediatrician doctor. So that was one dream realized. And so then I always laugh and tell people I only really had that one dream. I didn't have anything else. <laughs> and so then after I became that and I was working in the hospital for a little while, I started to kind of just have a sense of disconnect sometimes. Like sometimes I would leave the hospital and I'd be like, I would just cry in my car. I'd be frustrated. And I would ask myself, what's going on? Like, why do I feel this way? And I even talked to you one time. I remember talking to you one time and actually talking with you actually helped me to even think about what is my ideal life look like? What do I want to see every day when I get up? What is it when from the moment I open my eyes, what do I envision a good, what does a good day look like for me? And I realized I liked the work I was doing in the hospital, but I also wanted to be able to do it like outpatient and, and kind of keep that connection going with families and, and really have that impact. So that's how mom and me and mom and me MD came to be. (laughs) Oh, I love, I love that. And I want to backtrack and sort of emphasize what you said. And you were kind of at this point, you were at a crossroads where maybe your job wasn't going so well. And you had that wisdom to, to pause and say, why am I crying? Because I think a lot of physicians, whether it's, it could be, you know, so it may show up as crying, it may show up as anger, it would show up in different forms of maybe emotional outbursts. And I know for me, I didn't cry as much as I was angry and just feeling defeated, but it shows up differently for different people. But then just sitting back and reflecting on hmm, this is not really me. Like, I don't have to cry or be angry every day. And why is that? So doing that pause and then looking into, well, what is it that I really want? Because I think it's so easy for us to start defining ourselves by the way that people tell us to. And that may show up as, well, this is what the hospital needs, right? The hospital needs someone who's covering 24-7, you know, because it works for them. This is what they need. And if you don't do the work on yourself and say, well, what do I really want? What do I need? Because a lot of us, we're kind of brought up and want to be team players. We want to contribute to the team. We want what's best for the patient. Yeah. But I think for physicians, as we kind of mature in our journey to to go back and say, well, what is it that we need too, so that it works for us? And then when we get really clear on that, which I see that it you've gotten so much clarity on that, that's when we start to feel like we're back, like aligned with ourselves again. I love that. And these lessons, what I, uh, what I like, Wiley, is that lesson of me even going through that process will help me help my moms too, because I was undergoing a transition. So the lessons I learned will help them too, because then they have to, as, as women who now become mothers, that's a diff, that's a shift that they're undergoing. And then, so, okay. Recognizing that I have layers to me as a person that I don't have to be all one thing. I posted some the other day, I was listening to this message by this preacher and he was saying that he didn't like titles because it limits you. And, and so sometimes because of that, like we, when you become a doctor, a lot of times you end up merging your identity into that. And what I came to realize was like, well, I'm not always at the hospital anyway. Like even when I was working two weeks on two weeks off, When I was off those two weeks while I care about patients, 
I still relished in the time that I had. I wasn't like, oh no, I need to work those two weeks too, because people, so they always will need care. And so there's, there has to be that balance because you can't be everything all the time for anyone. And I shared that with my moms when encouraging them to take care of themselves. Like you can't, it's no one can survive like that. We're not meant to be everything to everyone. That's why community matters. You you should be able to get something from here and there and there. And then overall you get the support that you need. I love it. I love it. I totally agree. It's so true. When we work on ourselves and we grow, that's then the ripple effect of that and the, the impact of that in whether our patients or our clients or our friends, family, it's just, I mean, it, and sometimes you don't have to tell them anything. They just see that, wow, like here is someone who's different. Now, you remember when I was a medical student or a resident, there are certain mentors and they weren't necessarily like labeled as my mentor, but people who I would look up to as mentors because I was just drawn to them and you didn't really know exactly what it was about them. But it, a lot of it is this. They're they're just very clear on who they are, what's important to them and unapologetically live it in a way that people also respect. So, yeah, I, I love it. And I want to go back because there's also more to your story because, I mean, we, we could go all the way to the beginning. When you are sharing with me about this practice that you're opening up, this service that that you're now offering, I just sense a lot of passion. Like this is something that you see a problem, like there, there's almost the satisfaction because you're like, well, I'm the one who noticed this problem. I may not be the only one who noticed this, this problem, but I am going to create a solution that I think will address this problem. And I see kind of this passion and excitement. And I want to even go back a little bit more to how did you end up even being a pediatrician? You know, was that what you always wanted to do? And how did you know that that was right for you? Yeah, it's very interesting. Mom always said I was like an old soul. <laughs> but when I was younger, I used to always watch, I don't know, like PBS, a public broadcasting station. And they used to always on Saturday mornings have like these little like developmental little things like watching kids play with balls or doing little different things. And, and I thought I was going to do like child psychology at the time because I was very interested in how kids learn and why do people do the things they do and how they decide what they're going to do. That young, I was, I mean, that young, I was already interested in that. And then I ended up reading this book. I was always into moms and babies. I think that I have to say that was innate because I really, otherwise I'm an only child and I didn't really have like a whole bunch of like siblings that I was babysitting or something. But sometimes people will be like, oh, I was raising my siblings. And so I was around kids all the time. That wasn't really my story. While I did like babysit, it came from this desire to work with kids. So that part of me, I think was just already inside of me. But I read this book by this family called The Long Dying of Baby Andrew. And I actually still have that book. I went and bought it when I was like got old enough so I could always have it because it has such a big impact on how I am, where I got to today. And it was about this family who had this like 22, 23 weeks baby. And this was back in the 70s. So this was just when surfactant was like coming around, which, you know, doctors probably know, but I'll still explain is what helps our lungs like decrease the surface tension so we can breathe easier. Very important for preterm infants who only start to make it in the later 20 weeks of gestation. And so this family was in this struggle of like letting their baby die and what they dignity and not being like all these heroic medicine, like intubating them and trying to do all this stuff to them to make them live. They felt like my baby should just be able to die in peace like that. And so I was really intrigued by the medical ethics of that. Like, how does one decide and even have to make that kind of decision? And that kind of stuff still intrigues me to this day. And so I ended up looking at, well, what kind of doctor works with this 
these types of babies. And that's how I came across this website called Neonatology on the Web. And it's actually still a website these many years later. <laughs> how how old were you when you read this book? I was about 10. You're 10 years old. Oh, I love it. Yes. I used to go to the library all the time and I would check out books and read them. And so I was, I've always been like a reader. That's like my still go-to downtime thing. And so um, I read this book and I was really interested. Even in college, I took medical ethics. Like I was all into it, writing papers about it and things. And so I was like, okay, well, I want to be a neonatologist. I was like, okay, well, this is what I got to do. It tells you like on the website, it's like, you got to go to college, then you got to go to med school, then you do the residency, then you do fellowship. And I was like, all right, well, the path is laid out. I just got to do my part. So, you know, through college and stuff, got into med school. And then I had a a preterm loss at um, my first year of residency. And that was definitely very hard. And that kind of allowed me to have like that patient perspective of uh, dealing with the loss and what patients have to deal with when you're coming, when we come to bring that kind of news, like now I was on the other side. And so that experience definitely was, was heartbreaking. And I learned a lot about too, like even asking my OB to treat me like a patient, like even though I know the medicine. I'm still a person that's grieving, you know, and so she and I, we had to talk about that. (laughs) So then my second child was 31 weeks. um, And then I ended up having to delay my training because I was out on bed rest for about nine weeks and then him being in the NICU for about five weeks. And so I went back a little bit later. So it caused me to finish uh, residency a little bit off track because I was out for all those months. And I had I was interviewing actually on bed rest for fellowship. <laughs> wow. um, so I had gotten in and then I went up there, but I ended up not thriving. And and that was one of the things that I that I realized too why I'm so convinced about recognizing you're in a transition and making space for that is because I had this preterm infant, but I was still like had blind on of I'm I'm gotta be in the anatology. This is what I said. Like this was the goal I had and that's the only thing I wanted to do, you know. But now realizing my whole life had changed otherwise, you know, and that mm-hmm. I needed to like tap into support or or figure out, well, is that what I still want? And I can tell you this, like I never really thought about what kind of mom I wanted to be <laughs> before having kids, actually. And I, and it's interesting. I don't think a lot of people do. Uh, actually, I think you just kind of figure it out while you're in it. And so, especially physicians, because we're like, there's already enough on our plate, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, even as much as you can learn, like just like how we've learned a lot of stuff in med school, but it isn't until we're in the middle of the code or we're in the middle of having to put in the chest tube or in debating that it's that real lived experience that ends up mattering the most. Like, yes, you need some basics, but it's really that walking it out. That's, that's really going to get you what you need to, where you need to be or where you figure it out. A lot of times on the job trainings, what I say about motherhood too. But, um, but I, I went through all of that and then I ended up getting a job as a neonatal hospitalist, which I was like, okay, you know what, if I can't really go ahead and finish fellowship, I at least will do. Cause then I thought about that then like, well, what is it that my goal was? It was to work with premature sick infants. Well, this still allowed me to do that, but I struggled with the title. Like, okay, well, I don't have that title. So does that diminish what, you know, me some way? And I've had to work times, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
I love that. I mean, I'm so glad that you you shared this part of your story because, and, and just to give background, I think most physicians here are probably aware, but I mean, to be a neonatologist, right? You, you do the four years of medical school that we all do. You do the three years of pediatric residency, which is often grueling. Um, I just remember the hardest rotation in med- medical school that hours wise was not surgery. Like surgery was hard, but I think my inpatient pediatrics rotation was actually more hardcore. <laughs> And then you do three years of neonatology. And so like the PEDS fellowships are, you know, not the one or two uh, years. They're all three years long. And, And so that is a lot. I mean, that's a really long training. And like you said, you know, if you have a if you have a pregnancy and a baby or any health problem, right, doesn't have to be pregnancy during this time, it is it is very difficult. As someone who had a baby in my intern year, I totally, you know, empathize. And so it is hard, though, because if you had this goal when you're 10 years old of being a neonatologist, yeah. and you saw what the training was, and you're like, yep, I got this, and you were able to get into medical school, you know, like, yeah. you're like, I'm smart enough to get in, I have the ability to do this. But then life comes in the way, you know, as, as we get older, you can't can't predict what happens happens in life. I mean, that's like the one thing that's certain about life is that things are uncertain. And, and that is so, I'm so glad that you shared that, you know, I, I can imagine it must've been so difficult when you're like, wow, I have the, the fellowship. I could suck it up for another two and a half years or whatever, however long. Yeah. Yeah. But is it worth it to me? And is it really what I need to do what I want to do? Yeah. And and that's one of the things that I have had, because again, like you say, you talked about like the expectations of others and ourselves. And I, we're always dealing with that. Like we're always dealing with input from society and then like family or friends and that's everyone. Right. And it's not until you figure out what it is that you really want. Some of it mixed with your belief system. So, you know, what do you believe about passion and purpose? And that I think that factors into it too, but it taught me about being willing to like pivot. And so what the one thing I can say, all of the lessons that I have like learned so far are things that I feel like my mom's me help with too. Like that these would be things that they'll have to think about or adjust to. Like I had a mom one time that reached out to me and said, I don't feel like the same person I was, you know, before I had my baby. And I told her, I said, grieve that because there is you is really not you anymore because you have new responsibility and concerns. Like you no longer can run out the house and not have to think about Oh, no, I do need to think about where is my baby coming with me? Is my baby going to stay with somebody else? Like, that's real. Like, it, that is that is like a mind blowing thing. And, and, and it sounds so much simple, but the process is longer. And so just just helping moms like sit with that and validating validation is so important. And I don't think we do it enough. I was talking to a mom in the hospital today who I had admitted and I told her that you know, you're not the only one whose baby is like turned blue or got real red in the face. And they do like that little breath holding thing. Sometimes they'll do their like, you know, like they catch their breath and you're like, breathe baby again, you know? (laughs) And so I told her that we don't talk about it enough, like the struggles in motherhood or just even like anything like in med school or in our marriage or whatever social situation we find ourselves in where where our default is to hide and look like we have it all together. When in reality, it's in sharing the stories that allows other people to be like, you know what? I can do this too. Then they made it. I can make it or they're frustrated. So I'm not abnormal because I'm frustrated about this or that I'm sad that this is happening. 
I think we need to do a lot more to to share. And so that's what I'm using the pain of things I've gone through and and the lessons too, because and the beauty of what I gained to help my mom's transition. Mm. Oh, I love it. And and you mentioned earlier about you feel strongly about passion and purpose, and that's you know a big part of your life. Share a little bit more about that. I know you've already shared some of the things that you're passionate about, but but I want to hear a little bit more. Well, I grew up, I grew up Christian. So I've always had a belief that God has a plan for us. Why that that sense of that joy that I feel now, like taking care of babies and kids, like it comes so natural to me. I can't, I feel like I have no other way to explain. I didn't learn. I learned how to get better at it, but that feeling that I have is always in there. It's just been nurtured along the way. And I I see it in every phase. Like see it when I used to babysit, like 10 for my church, I used to babysit like 10 kids at a time. And they'd be like, how can you even manage this? Like, and I was like a 15 year old, but I had a system. I I just, I just always connected with kids. And, and it's been in every, every situation just this past Monday. And I made a reel about this. I had a five-year-old in the ER is treating and, you know, he looked bad. We got him good. And then I had on scrubs when I went to see him. And then I went back, I had on regular clothes because I had changed for something. And he was like, why do you have that on? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you have on regular clothes. He's like, are you even still the doctor? And I was like, yeah, I'm still the doctor. I was like, you know, and so we laughed about that. <laughs> and and so I made a reel about that because I thought he was so funny for like chastising me. But I love moments like that. Like I love interacting with little people like that. I love when kids are like sassy and funny. Like that doesn't bother me. Like when, when they're running around or just active. I'm not like, oh, this kid, like, I don't feel that way at, at all. Actually, I'm just like, all right, all right, come sit down. I know you have a lot of energy, but I need to listen to you or whatever. It just flows from me. And it brings me such joy. Like when I get called and I have to go into a 26 week delivery, I'm not like, oh, man, I gotta, I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's get this baby tucked in. Let's make it happen. And, and that's what I feel. And, and I feel like I want that for everyone. Like I want them to when they wake up, they know exactly what it is that they need to be doing in their life, who they're supposed to be helping. And I think that that's what gives meaning because we're, we're here for a finite amount of time. And so I, I feel like that's the legacy that we'll live. Everything else is going to pass away. Like, yes, we have a responsibility, you know, have the money left over for our kids and all the adult things. But I think it's that legacy, that impact, how you make people feel, see themselves and feel about themselves that are at the end of the day. That, there were so many pearls there. Just, I love all of that. And, you know, what you describe about, you know, your passion and your purpose and the the moments that you describe that sort of embody that, that's actually exactly one of the things I try to do with my clients is to help them figure out what is it that you really love to do? Because not everyone knows, like you, you have a lot of clarity about it already as you're describing it. But there are a lot of physicians and people in general, you know, walking around who don't necessarily know. But I, it's my belief that I think all of us have this passion inside of us that can come out. And one of the, one of the things I was working with my group the previous week is called discovering your zone of genius. And it, I didn't come up with the, the term zone of genius. It, it comes from a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, who's a psychologist and a professor and a self-development guru. And he talks about like when you're in your zone of genius, like you mentioned, like flow, time flows. It doesn't feel like you're you're not going to be looking at your clock wondering, is it five o'clock? Is it the end of the shift yet? Or like, when am I going to do my next thing? Like time is like, it's almost like you want time to, to freeze because it, it's so such a great moment. 
And and then you're you're also like you you love doing it that it doesn't even feel like work. Like you might be getting paid to do to interact with this kid and and the ER, but it doesn't feel like work. It feels like you're not expending energy, at least for that part of it. You know that of course there and I try to have docs recognize this. Like there may be parts of medicine that they love, but you know of course there are others that we don't love. For me, it's charting, (laughs) but there are solutions to that. Like once you figure out what is it that I really love and what is it that. I could really do without. That's also clarity. But I love how you just, I mean, you describe it so well, like a firsthand experience of what it's like to work in your purpose, to feel passion and and to be in your zone of genius. That was part one of a two-part interview with Dr. Jess Daigle. I'm so grateful for having her come on the podcast. She has given us so many gems and so many examples already in part one about daring to dream and living life to the fullest as soon as possible. I can't wait for part two in next week's interview. In the meantime, I hope you have a great week and stay tuned for next week's episode. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy that episode, please share it with a friend and go on your favorite podcast app to give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us to get the word out there. Also, I am really excited to announce I've started a online Facebook community for physicians. Go and search for Dare to Dream Physician Travel. That's the name of the Facebook group. If you have trouble finding us, the link is also in the show notes. I hope to see you on the inside.